Yes, hello and welcome to the Widline Podcast for another week. I am your host, Paulie G, and good to be back with you again. A lot to talk about on today's show. I guess what we're looking at um, at the moment is varying countries and varying um, degrees of COVID-19 here in Australia. We're quickly, really, moving into a, a world where restrictions are eased uh, quite close now to maybe regularity, certainly in New Zealand, all restrictions being eased except for the borders being uh, opened. And Australia might not be quite at that level yet, but uh, certainly as we go along, things are on the improve. And uh, I guess what I wanted to talk about today is the difference between countries like New Zealand, who are very strict in in following, you know, a SARS-type approach or or the the COVID-1 approach and then Australia which kind of took a looser model than that but was still pretty strict and then countries like the US, Brazil, Sweden who went much looser, the UK and exactly how um, they're coping with the epidemic or the pandemic now. Um, Let's go to Sweden first of all. Their top epidemiologist um, has now come up to say the strategy to fight COVID-19 has resulted in too many deaths. And uh, this is the the person who, I guess, said to his uh, countrymen, let's not go for the strict lockdown. But um, he's now saying, if I was to encounter the same illness with the same knowledge that we have today, I think our response would land somewhere in between what Sweden did and what the rest of the world has done. That's Anders Tegnell. And he was the brains behind the um, Sweden's approach that in some places was lauded at the beginning. But now... Um, with the amount of deaths in Sweden far higher than many than its comparative countries, um, forty six over forty six thousand confirmed. Considering the size of that country, I think it stands to reason that perhaps um, this approach wasn't necessarily the best. Gatherings of more than fifty people continue to be banned, but of course things like shopping, restaurants, gyms, and schools have all remained open and encouraged. And uh, it's 43 deaths per 100,000 people. It's almost the highest globally, and certainly much higher than Denmark and Norway, their neighbours, who imposed much tougher um, restrictions and lockdowns from the, uh, I guess, when the pandemic really did start to take shape in Europe. Um, What does this mean for the ongoing? Because we know with New Zealand, who took the opposite approach, very strict lockdown from a very very early situation, the criticism was around their financial markets and the economy and how they could handle it. Uh, there were some statistics being thrown around that they might be have a downturn of up to 20%, um, as opposed to some other countries that might only go to 6 or 7%, like Australia. But surely now that they can come completely out of it, and these other countries are just continuing to be um, plagued by COVID-19 and, and these terrible cases... New Zealand's opportunity now to improve their economy is quite stark. In fact, Sweden themselves are still at their worst economic crisis since the Second World War. The GDP is set to slump 7% this year, which is pretty much the same as the rest of the EU, but their debts far, far higher per 100,000 populations. So we know that Sweden was used a little bit as an example to some of these other countries. Um, America probably is one that 
tried not to take the same approach identically to Sweden, but certainly did take a more lax approach or was late in and early out on the restrictions. And, of course, they're still leading the world in the um, confirmed cases, over 2 million now, and uh, the deaths, well over 100,000 people. So Dr Anthony Fauci, who's been in the news um, pretty much throughout this, he's been the top US infectious disease specialist. Well, now he's saying it's his worst nightmare. And he's warning the deadly outbreak is far, far from over. And we, we see some states and some municipalities opening up. We also see um, protests, which we might talk about a bit later in the show, and what effect that may have on, on um, cases in the US rising, potentially. Um, it is a big concern for that country that, that those cases will just continue to rise. Um, Anthony Fowler. Fauci said the infection won't burn itself out with mere public health measures. We're going to need a vaccine for the entire world, billion and billions of doses. Um, if we look at Australia and our ability to open borders, well, it's going to be very, very hard to open borders with the likes of uh, the USA before the vaccine because that country just seems to be totally... Um, the community spread is it's, it's beyond level of contact tracing. Dr. Anthony Fauci also um, talked about the World Health Organization's remarks that the transmission of the coronavirus by people who never developed symptoms was rare. Well, he's saying that that's not correct, according to the evidence that they have in the US. And in fact, the WHO has now walked back that remark um, because of the fact that there simply isn't enough evidence to indicate that that's happening. Um, the evidence that, it, that Dr. Fauci is suggesting is anywhere from 25 to 45% of the totality of infected people are likely without symptoms. And the knowledge in regards to that is, and we know from epidemiological studies that they can transmit to someone who is uninfected even when they are without symptoms. So that's from Dr. Fauci. And um, I just think it goes to show when we look at countries like Australia and New Zealand and the states here in Australia, that perhaps this model did turn out to actually be one that was um, the correct way to go. Brazil, well, they're another country wrecked, getting close to three or over three quarters of a million confirmed cases now. They had removed the data. There's question marks of how many people are getting counted anyway. We're looking around 40,000 plus deceased from what we know. Now they're, they're um, backtracking on not providing that data. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But another country, very lax, very loose on the restrictions, and you can see some of the problems there. Um, other countries that are easing restrictions include India. Now, they've still got a lot of cases and growing, getting close to 300,000. It is a big country, obviously, but perhaps that's risky as well. And then, of course, the UN coming out and saying that the people in extreme poverty these people that are already marginalised on the edge of humanity will now be forced. Uh, 49 people, 49 million people will be forced into extreme poverty. So, as we see around the world, um, the struggles in regards to being able to contain this virus once it does get out of control. And we look back to Australia and New Zealand. Um, perhaps there will be a chance to open the borders between the two countries. Um, certainly at this stage in New Zealand, have done well. They've actually had no uh, new cases 
for over 14 days now and there's no active cases left. So that's why they've lifted all their restrictions. They don't need to socially distance anymore, but they do need to keep their borders closed for now. And because Australia still has active cases, even though it's not community-community spread, I'm not sure if that bubble will be open to them yet. Fiji, on the other hand, they haven't had a case in a month. Maybe it gets open there and some of those other Pacific nations. Maybe Australia is a little bit further off. Certainly getting closer, but as Australia um, eases more restrictions, it may also make longer or make it longer before can actually eliminate the virus or even that the elimination of the virus is possible. And it's something that we've spoken about on this podcast uh, over the last uh, couple of months with um, Ryan MS and a couple of other guests, special guests. But certainly the fact that the uh, virus is eliminated in New Zealand perhaps is a bit beyond what can be done in Australia. But let's have a look at some of the um, easing of the restrictions at the moment. Let's first look at how many new cases there's been. Um, it's certainly getting down closer and closer to zero, which is fantastic. And obviously, like New Zealand, you kind of need that 14 days. Just having one day here, one day there isn't quite um, getting to the level of, of, of acknowledgement that perhaps it, the um, cases can be totally eliminated or COVID-19 can be totally eliminated. But certainly new cases in the last 24 hours down to seven around the whole country, only New South Wales and Victoria currently registering new cases, and none of those are by community transmission, community to community transmission. So there is some scope to ease some restrictions. We know New South Wales, um, Premier Gladys Berejiklian has said that she will allow um, residents to invite up to 20 people into their homes from now on, as opposed to, I think it's five at the moment, um, 10,000 people were tested for COVID-19 in the past 24 hours. Um, that was Tuesday to Wednesday. And none of those tests came back positive. So obviously good there, but we've still got three new cases since then. So there still has to be vigilance. Um, from Saturday, you might already be listening to this by then, up to 20 people will be allowed to gather in an outdoor space and the food courts also reopen, as well as the fact that uh, gyms and other physical fit fitness centres are reopening, yoga, etc., um, and then, of course, adult and community, children community sports around New South Wales will be allowed to resume from July the 1st. But Premier Berejiklian did say, do not let your guard down. Please think about how you would treat your loved ones and how you would treat those who might have underlying illnesses that can be impacted more heavily by the virus. So certainly the fact that there's not been a community-derived COVID-19 case in two weeks in New South Wales is helping the Premier make these decisions, but there still needs to be care taken and vigilance taken before we can get to the case of New Zealand. Um, some interesting questions have been asked. Um, you can, of course, follow me on Twitter at listen to Paulie G, P-A-U-L-I-E-G, or Facebook. My website is pauliegsports.com um, or on Facebook also under Paulie G Sports. Find me on either of those places. There's a lot of sport, as regular listeners will know, that I'm involved in and I'll be... Um, on, a, on back on podcasts and uh, website information as well. So let's read out some of these um, questions now. And this one's from Sean, and he wanted to know what are the chances of a second wave or prolonged first given protests around the world? And I think um, that's you know something that we're still not really able to see because of that time before um, people that suffer COVID nine show symptoms. Um, that and also the fact that 
maybe these protesters might not go to get tested, at least not straight away. So when are we going to know this information? It may not be for another, at least another week or so. Um, and because it is outdoors, it may not be necessarily to the same degree as the community to community spread that we see in other situations, like when there's an outbreak at like the meat factory in Melbourne or various factories in the US, how it really can, um, that close, working in those close quarters indoors, as opposed to being outside, yes, you're close to people, but maybe you're not close to the same people for the same length of time. Maybe you, you know, the people in general were wearing masks, were being maybe not as careful as they should be from a social distancing point of view, but at least um, other precautions that might help. That um, may make a difference, but it's probably something we're just going to have to look at on the next podcast or even the one after that, because we're not really getting um, as much information yet. Um, and and it's, a bit, it's a bit of hearsay. Different experts are saying that, yes, there will be surges because of the mass gatherings and others are saying, well, we need to wait and see. One of the things we do know is in America, and we've talked about it on this show before, um, black Americans, African Americans make up a much higher percentage of COVID-19 cases and deaths as opposed to their population. So we know that there is an uh, in, um, inequality there in how this virus is, is going through um, certain communities and the fact that um, the type of the, the protests and, and what they've all been about, um, I guess it gives more worry to the, those people that are, are um, members of that community. I mean, Dr. Gregory Hall, the director of the Centre for African American Health Research, Education and Policy, has said there's no question that there's going to be surges related to the mass gatherings I saw on TV. I think it's not going to be as bad since we're not at the peak of the spread. So there's one example of what may happen. Um, Amanda has a question as well in regards to Australia opening the borders and what impact that might have on a potential second wave. Well, certainly it depends which countries. We know New Zealand and Fiji would be pretty safe if we were to open there. In fact, they'd be more worried about us than vice versa, you would assume. But other countries, um, certainly like we've talked about US, Brazil, Sweden, for example, I think it would be far too dangerous at this point. And the second wave um, would also impact, I think, how many restrictions have been eased. So New Zealand is a good example. They've eased all their restrictions. So would that make it more difficult if if something happened there and they got a second wave to reverse it because everything's eased, whereas here we've still got a lot of restrictions, would it make it easier to manage? And obviously the contact tracing comes into it as well. Um, but a lot of those things we're going to have to talk about on the next uh, edition of the Widline podcast because that's all we have time for for now. I am your host, uh, Paulie G. As I said earlier, you can find me on Twitter at listen to Paulie G, P-A-U-L-I-E-G, and Facebook, Paulie G Sports. And also go to my website, www.pullygsports.com if you're interested in more of this sporting stuff now that things like NRL are back and other sports are coming back as well, at least in this country and New Zealand. And we will talk to you again next week, hopefully with another special guest. Bye for now.